welcome to the Making a Difference for Us podcast. I'm your host, Margot, and I'm joined by Christine, Jim, Edwin, and Kevin. Today we will be discussing the topic of abortion, and I would like to start out with Kevin to hear his thoughts on how abortion laws should be regulated, what harm is created in a pro-life or pro-choice society, and how rape should affect the perception of the justification for abortion. Well, thanks, Margot. Uh, well, from this standpoint, I'm a definitely a pro-choice person. And I believe that abortion should be regulated by the federal level. And there's two points why I say the federal level. Is first, what does it mean by the statement is the separation of church and state? And what I really found and what I think it means is it's required in the government to be neutral in matters of religion. The reason I'm saying pro-choice is because it kind of comes back to some of the essence of religion. And, and that's just my perspective. And the second is um, there's never been a a rational base for laws of automatically pursuing that men should have more rights than women. And being at a pro-choice and being a male, I cannot sit there and control what a female feels or believes or how she feels that, that she has to deal with the, the you know, uh, of abortion rights and if she wants to uh, have that or not. And it's not my choice as a male to sit there and wish anything deemed necessary for a female's belief on how she became pregnant. The only ones, and if you're looking at a religious perspective, it is her only actions to God and how she looks at things, not me. So I really want to make sure that as we make that choice. So if a whole bunch of women of across the globe and all different shapes, sizes come together and decide on what that is, then I have to respect that. But until that point in time, that's how I kind of look at when it comes to a female's body, because that's like telling me, the female says, well, I want to castrate you or you need to be at this point in time, you know, no longer can produce kids because of whatever reason. So once again, I would hate to have that as a collective all to sit there and have someone tell me what I should do with my body. So when it comes to a pro-choice and pro-life society, we have labeled this as a black and white label and it pits people against each other versus really understanding what the science behind it and how do we actually level to that piece to making sure we all agree to what actions as a group and as a society or as you know, people in general. So, so those are some of the premise behind my beliefs, because I think it's like the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. Sometimes are we actually spending 80% of our time focusing on 20% of the issue versus really getting a handle around that. As for abortion, when it deals with rape, if my daughter was raped by some guy that I have no idea to, what is that going to say for my child down the road? Because it's not going to be love because my daughter is going to think about this father figure who raped her. So I, I think, once again, is we have to understand the situations, conditions, because it can be a family member, it can be your boss or someone around who actually abuses that privilege. And we're going to sit back there and say, at this time, should I actually not be able to do it? So those are my pieces, Margo. Thank you, Kevin. That was great. Now, I do want to jump over to Edwin and find out his thoughts on how abortion laws should be regulated, what harm is created in a pro-life or pro-choice society, and how rape should affect any such laws. Thank you, Margo. Um... Uh, reality is today, abortion is regulated at the state level, and uh, I don't, I, I can't say for certain because I, I, I am not of the female gender, so I can't really tell it from a, a the female side of me. But I understand that at the state level, they're, they're making the judgment call whether or not abortion should be legal, and that's, you know, that's still to be determined, but. I always believe in giving the power to the states in which people live in because it mostly affects the people who live in the state, those states versus uh, a federal judgment saying everybody has to adhere. Um, 
you know, there's there's the whole thing between pro-life and pro-choice society. It really comes down to saving babies or women's rights. Uh, honestly, that's why both parties are so extreme. Conservatives see murder while liberals see a woman's right to do whatever she wants with a living being in her body. I mean, you know, the whole thing about the rape piece, well, you know, rape is a violent crime. And since it's not ordinary, then the ordinary law should be examined in itself. I think uh, abortion itself, maybe some people think, and I, I'm not sure if I agree with it or not. I'm still on the fence with it. But, you know, some people think that abortion is a second violent crime that happens with rape because you got the rape, the action of rape, and then you got the, the abortion afterwards. So is that truly the case? I, you know, I'm on the fence, and I'm hoping that this whole podcast discussion will, you know, maybe help me get a better understanding or a better opinion of what I think. Um, but again, you start thinking about the whole rape thing. It's like, how can, you know, you let something be created by a monstrous act of rape. So when you look at that and you look at the different states that have different laws around abortion, I think the, 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 the opinion of someone who lives in a very liberal state like California versus somebody who lives in a very conservative state like, uh, South Carolina, I think those views are very different. And I hope this whole podcast can maybe help shed some uh, shed some light on how I'm feeling about it because I'm kind of on the fence because I don't live in that world as far as being a female gender and having to make decisions on my body. Thank you, Edwin. That was great. Now I do want to go over and jump to Christine and hear what she thinks about all of the questions previously mentioned, especially considering that she's currently pregnant at the time of this recording. <laughs> Thanks, Margo. I'm happy to chime in. I am pregnant, 37 weeks, um, almost, to be exact. I, I'm pro-choice. I'm very much pro-choice for many reasons, and which I'm sure we'll get more into in the in the roundtable discussion. But uh, this this question of should it be in the federal or state level? It's a little tricky for me. Um, I think, truthfully, it's like, well, let's do federal. Because to me, that makes sense uh, as far as accessibility. If you have states regulating and um, you have a state that says pro-choice, state that says abortion is illegal, or someone within that state may have uh, to travel further, maybe a harder harder time, may resort to um, different options, more unsafe, um, sort of like a self self uh, induced abortion, um, and that'll decrease access and decrease safety around it, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, if I live in a country where the federal <laughs> uh, the federal decision is that abortion is illegal, then I don't I don't know. I guess that's just a whole other road to go down. But um, my ideal scene would be a federal regulation that is a pro-choice decision. Um, the harm that creates, well, there are so many factors as to why a person would choose to have an abortion. I, um, one in four women, one in four pregnant folks have an abortion in their lifetime. Um, and I'm not there to, I'm not in that person's body to tell them why it's right, why it's wrong. Um, it, when it comes to rape, as Edwin mentioned, I do think that maybe um, 
there's a there, there's a lot of extra I guess baggage for lack of a better term that can go along with that but do I think that it should uh, supersede anything I think it should just be any abortion should be um, legal and the argument that I hear a lot is that um, you know making abortion access illegal and therefore abortions will decrease I don't think that that's the case um, I think I don't think they'll become more rare I think they'll just become more deadly for both the pregnant person and, um, and maybe maybe those around them if they don't have access to a safe medically overseen um, abortion suicide rates could potentially go up again the self-induced abortions um, could potentially go up. And I don't want to see us, in my opinion, regress to putting to putting these pregnant folks in a position where um, more harm will, could potentially be caused. Uh, there's There are ways to make abortion as safe as possible. There's ways to help support folks going through an abortion process before, during, and after care. Um, I think an, another common misconception is that folks are going to use that as birth control. I think that's very easily spewed from a mouth from someone who hasn't actually had an abortion and know, knows what can go along with that as far as like the emotional everything. Thank you, Christine, for your perspective. And finally, Jim, I'd love to get your opinion on the questions asked and the responses from everyone else. Sure thing. Um, first of all, I'm going to start by complimenting everyone for calling it abortion, because so many people, particularly on the other side of the fence from me, seem um, unwilling to do that, which I find troubling in itself. If the primary uh, reference is a woman's right to choose as only partial uh, application as a woman's right to choose, there's a lot of other rights to be discussed. I'll follow that with uh, just a blunt rejection of my two male counterparts' assertion that somehow as a man, I'm less uh, positioned to have an opinion on this. What we should be talking about is rights uh, of all people concerned. And so um, Kevin jumped in, right, in my view, essentially um, assuming that we would agree that the unborn child has no rights, and I don't agree with that. There's a lot of discussion to have around what those rights are, and I think it's it gets to some key definitions. So let's start with the science. The science is that an unborn baby is a human being. Okay, that's a fact. It's something people want to deny, but it's you know, especially if you're going to call yourself the party of science, that is a fact. When you have a fertilized egg, that is a human being at a particular stage of development. So. I think it's important we recognize that fact and start from that fundamental point. Now, what rights does that unborn human being have? Uh, that's where the discussion really starts to get interesting, and I'm sure we'll touch on a lot of points there as we just uh, have this discussion here. Uh, another piece I never hear talked about is the rights of the father. Why we as a society have said, you know what? The father has absolutely no say in this whatsoever. Um, I get that it's the woman who has to bear the baby. Um, but still, if we're going to talk about rights, we should talk about the rights of all people uh, involved. And the father is one of those. To me, my personal opinion is that if we have a Holocaust, 
of the 21st century, it's abortion. You know, fortunately, numbers are going down. We've gotten it under a million abortions a year in the U.S., but that's a million human beings. Well, I guess it's under 900,000. So 890,000, I believe it was in the past year or two. Each year, uh, nearly a million human beings who don't get to be born. Given all of that, Evan, I'd like to hear you start out our roundtable to begin the discussion regarding everyone's thoughts. Thank you, Margo. Uh, and, and Jim, I, I like your comments. And, you know, I, I think we come from the same side of the fence as far as uh, not being in that situation, but respecting the, the, the rights of, of, of life. So, um, you know, I, I look at it and the reality is, you know, I think there's probably some exceptions to the rule and I think there's some things out there. However, when you're using abortion to right a wrong or to undo something, then it becomes just a, a form of birth control. And that's, uh, that's not, that's not what that's all about. And I, I think that it may be overused. And I think, uh, so many times in the past that, uh, people were just not made accountable for their actions and, and, to allow somebody to take a life of a potential living being because they didn't make good decisions. I, I, I just have a hard time. I have a hard time just putting myself in that situation where making myself feel it's all right that that happens. So, um, you know, again, when you've got two people involved and one person making that decision or what they feel is right, I, have to, I, I think we have to examine that. And if there's, you know, and it probably falls all the way back to some simple sex education and some simple good parenting. But the reality is, we, I, I, we can't, as a people, allow a life that's created to be uncreated because that's, you know, it's not the cycle of life to make something like that happen. You know, I think we have women have miscarriages and things like that that happen naturally because your body's not wanting that to happen. But the reality is to make a conscious decision to go out and say, Hey, I, I don't want this life in my body. I want to take the life or something. There's some, there's, there, we've got to really examine that. And I, I, you know, I don't know where we draw the line. I don't know where the right becomes wrong and the wrong becomes right. And I, I, I'm, I'm hoping this podcast really helps me put that in perspective. So I'm curious, I hear you talk about good parenting. And so therefore, if um, I'm curious your opinion, Edwin, if someone gets pregnant and they choose to have an abortion, is then, so the fault is on the parents? Is it because of bad parenting? Or or who's, you know, I, I just think about like, isn't that a little bit open to interpretation? Like you'll have an ideal scene probably of good parenting and I'll probably have an ideal scene of good parenting. Um, and, and then also thinking about Jim too. So if the, if the, if a woman is pregnant and her male, the, the male person, male partner, who, whoever she got pregnant with, if they are both on board for this, for to have an abortion, does that make it better? Does that make it worse? Does that make it okay? I'm curious what your thoughts are on those fellas. Yeah. Oh, my thought is, hey, you got you got two people making decision over one person's life. That's not fair, right? Uh, and and I, I don't I don't I'm not saying that the government needs to step in and say, hey, you know what? 
it's a hundred percent wrong. I think there's probably some, there's probably some, some exclusions or inclusions behind all of these things. But the reality is life is life. And to take someone else's life today, we would, you know, you went out and said something was bad in your life. A person was bad in your life and they shouldn't be there. And you went out and you killed them. You'd be prosecuted for murder. That's the reality. So whether you have a, a, a being that's growing in your belly and that being does not have a right to that life and you take that right, you, you don't allow them to have that right, then is it right for you? I, I, I don't know that answer. And, I, and I'm, I'm saying this because I'm coming from a complete opposite side of the fence. And I grew up in a Catholic family where we, we believed in, 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 in you know, no birth control and or, or controlling the birth method in a natural way versus um, you know, terminating a life. But, but the reality is, I, I can't tell you what you know. What I think is right, what I think is wrong is, you know, two people making the decision for a third person whether they live or die. If it's already living and there's a heartbeat there, I mean that's a, that's a, that's you know, you're you're on you're you're trying to right a wrong. And we can't all write wrongs. You can't run a red light. And this is this is not even this is not even close to that. You can't unrun a red light. You can't un unkill a person. You can't undo any of that stuff. This is giving people right to undo something that is not natural. Yeah, and I would add, you know, I brought it up in in my opening comments. What are the rights of the unborn child? It's a human being. At what point does it become murder? Is it birth? I mean, that's kind of where we said it today, although it was very troubling to hear folks on the left side of the aisle here in the last couple of years starting to discuss that there are places where infanticide's perfectly fine. My God, if that's where capitulating on the abortion uh, debate has gotten us, then we're doomed as a people. It's not an easy answer. I realize that. I, I'd say philosophically, um, there is not a leg to stand on to say that it's out and out murder from the time that egg is fertilized if you actively kill it. Who's going to agree to that? Wow. It's not It's not a debate that's going to win in society today. I do think that there should be a much healthier debate about what is it that constitutes um, the ability to bear those rights and at what point does that unborn child have them? I think there's a very good debate to be made that late-term abortion is tantamount to murder. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, you know, unfortunately, we kind of squelched the debate as well. I mean, look where we started. It was with, um, like I said, assuming that there are no rights, and I, I don't think that's a fair assumption at all. So I think the debate should be around that element, what are the rights of the unborn infant? And then how do those uh, interact with the rights of the woman? You know, the, the rape thing. I mean, that's van a vanishingly, vanishingly tiny group of people you're talking about, but it's a good philosophical exercise. So a woman's been raped. Is she going to be forced to carry this baby she didn't want? And that was created in, in an act of some of the most disgusting violence there is uh, to term. I, I, I don't think even I can make that argument. 
So I, I, you know, you it's, know, it's like about weighing rights against rights. But, you know, and there's so many pieces to this equation as we're talking about open conversations of, you know, once again, it's still in debate about that life and is it sustainable and who has that right. And as you're talking about earlier, as a male, have a, a right on a female and as, as a father. And so there's so many different combinations that can, you know, you can spin off on having the argument about. And that's the reason I started off earlier is the women have to sit there and come to agreement. If women can't come to the agreement on what they're looking at this on their body, and all of a sudden you throw the, the piece in the male who at the end of the day does not have any skin in the game of what that right is, because you're never going to feel as a, as a male what the female is going through is she has a choice to abort. And you may support it, but you will never have that essence that you're a part of that creation. You might be in the decision, but you have no skin in the game other than your semen that actually hit that egg. That's it. And I agree I'm going to challenge with, I'm going to challenge you there. How many grieving fathers are there out there? I'm, I'm just, millions, I'm and millions and millions and millions of babies that have been aborted. How many grieving fathers are out there who were given no say? That's what I'm trying to get. In a child who existed, who they wanted born, and they had no input whatsoever and into it being killed. the same parents and the same father who does not have that. So when you're looking at the, I'm looking at the totality of it. You have those parents and those parent father figures who want to be involved. Then there's those who don't care. And then there's Absolutely. those. There's a, so I'm looking down at that fragment of that piece. We have to start looking at this as a very piece as we drive down to it, because that one talked about family values and the interpretations of family values. We've talked about religion time to that piece. And there's some that actually state that's the case. There's some parts of religions where females don't even have the choice in that matter. There's so many dynamics pieces to this abortion. That's why it's complicated, because there's so many moving parts. Because I see about pro-choice, and at the end of the day, those kids who are now are put in a foster system, how many people from that standpoint, no one's talking about that end result of that child. Yes, I have to say, but Jim, that other 50% of those individuals, that goes into the system, which creates other chaos. And then we're talking about being the conservative side, who's not going to write the bill to support those kids that are in the system. And then now they become that piece. So when we're looking at this, you're right. There's no right or wrong answer because we've, we've, we've sort of uh, tabled this is wrong or right. You either you do it or you don't without understanding the bigger picture to it. So as we look down that, you can break it down and say those pieces. And what we have to understand what we're talking about from that person on that situation or that circumstances. But if you're looking at it perfect. Well, Kevin, family, hey, hey, Kevin. Yes. Honestly, dude, you're, 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 you're saying, so if it, it's either terminate a child or put them in the system. That's, that's, no, that's, that's, no, like that's one, I'm crazy saying once, way to think. Once again, I'm saying yeah, it's one but, of those but, options. There's one of those pieces. It's not saying it's put in the system. I'm just saying there's so many different variables to this. It's not cut and dry. And that's my whole but there's point. Al there's, also people that, there's also people that want kids that can't have kids and want kids that are in the system. And then there's also these people that are just unfit to be parents. So now you, there's a whole different story. There are right. people unfit to be parents that, that, that are having children today. But that, you should, know, that doesn't mean those, those children should be terminated. That means that if, if, if a child was made agree. out of passion or love or whatever it was, you go, hey, I, want, I don't want a child. And we made this <clears> thing. That's not cool. I, I'm thinking that's just not – it's not – fair because we, we you go into the act of creating this 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 being and you decide i don't want this being because that's what that's not what i expected to happen after having this act of lust or whatever it is and then 
you're gonna just gonna terminate it because then that's just a form of birth control. And at that point, that is absolutely wrong, absolutely wrong, and it should be absolutely wrong in everybody's eyes. Well, and that gets back to the rights discussion because again, Kevin, you're jumping to well, these kids will be in the system. Who are you to say that their rights to life should be taken because they're going to be a burden on society? No, I mean Tim, that's that a was, poor this, approach to rights. No, once again, it was a scenario of another situation that we don't talk about. Okay, as, as you're going to, I never said this was easy. No, that's right. That's <laughs> get my me whole, wrong. That's my whole point, Jim. Is that depends on where there's so someone's only going to sit back there and start discussing in a perfect utopia world. And and you said there's that one just pointed out there's individuals are unfit. There's parents and there's family members that we think are fit are not even fit, but we've deemed that because of the story they want to say. Because I live in this perfect world, I got everything you ask. They're more dysfunctional than some of the dysfunctional families. So what I'm trying to get to it, it is a very complicated piece. But, I, but what have, shouldn't be complicated is none of that stuff matters when it comes to the rights of the individual. To the rights of the individual. Now you're dictating yeah. my rights as an individual. I'm not dictating anything. I started this off saying it's a debate about what those rights are and when when they become in force. Right. And but if you're saying that a baby, say, three months along has no rights and is going to become a burden, um, so we're just going to kill it, I disagree with that. Christine? A couple of things that still stick out to me, um, hearing about the, the up to the parents, the good parents thing or the, versus the bad parents. Again, does that mean that if someone chooses to receive an abortion, does that mean that they have had a poor family structure or that their parents have done a poor job or maybe it was a whoopsie or maybe there's all this other stuff that we don't take into consideration? The if my opinion, if, if we don't allow for uh, safe access, like medically overseen access to abortions, again, they're not going to go away. They're just going to be, in my opinion, cause more harm to the pregnant person, to the family, to the whoever, more potential for harm. Um, and I think- uh, hey, 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 Christine, could be, what? I'll stop you there. So what you're saying is 100% absolutely true. So if it's gonna happen, it needs to be in a safe environment. I don't disagree with that, but should we let it happen is where I think we all are, right? Well, yeah, yeah. So let me think, uh, um, I'm not finished here. So my understanding is that in the, the 50s, 60s, that um, there were medical abortions that were allowed if uh, the, the woman, the pregnant person met all these requirements. And what those requirements entailed was that woman sitting in front of a group of um uh, white male physicians and having to uh, essentially be under the, their lens um, and they're going to judge, <laughs> acting as a role of judges, to critique whether or not she's allowed to have this. And so what, what women would do is they could change their story about how they are um, mentally unfit or mentally not of sound mind and try to try to fudge the story a little bit so that they could get this, receive this abortion. Now, does that, is that right? Is that wrong? If you, if you, whether, whether or not they're fudging it, but I'm just talking about like, if someone is um, mentally unfit, then would you still see that as being allowed as okay? Or if they're like kind of swaying the story, you know, I, I just don't want the, the swaying the story. The thing is, I guess I'm not really getting to my point, but 
they're going to happen and there are ways to get around it. It was before it was legal. It still happened with a physician's clearance, meaning you have to go in front of, again, all these, these white male physicians to see whether or not your story would hold up. And then it was assumed that you'd have to have medical or you'd have to have uh, financial access to it and you'd have to be able to get to somewhere. And I just don't, it, it just seems like we're missing the point. I get that we're debating on whether or not it's ethical, but I think that it should, it should just be a choice for that individual, for that individual family. And maybe that's case by case, meaning that person may choose to have an abortion and maybe later on they don't. That's what I mean, case by case. But I don't think that it should be dictated by other people who are not in that person's situation or that family situation. And I think that, um, it's not necessarily about good parenting. It's not about bad parenting. And I don't think it's all completely religious based. I think of the clergy consultation service of abortion. They started up in 1967. There are a group of 21 rabbis and ministers from a, a, a ministers from a wide range of uh, the dominant religious uh, beings in our religious uh, groups in our country. And they were there to counsel women on this. They knew the abortions were going to happen and they wanted to be safe if need be. This is before Roe versus Wade. This is before Roe versus Wade. And they saw the need, they offered compassion and they, they just saw another way around it. Like if the woman is going to choose to do it, how can we make it as safe as possible? How can we help them feel emotionally supported in this decision? And I don't think that there were, they were not trying to encourage the idea of abortions happening. It was more like, if it's going to happen, let us at least support you in the best way possible. Um, that system isn't always set up in the abortion, in, in abortions now, um, it's more, it can be, okay, here it is. You go have it, but you're kind of left high and dry a little bit. Um, and I think there's some room for improvement on how to help the person who chooses to receive the abortion to feel more supported, um, and mentally just receive that mental support and mental access. I don't think that, uh, the, everyone is going to be, or the group some is going to be using it as a form of birth control. Like it's just a revolving door. Um, so, but again, your whole position avoids the discussion of rights and that's where we can't reach common ground because your starting assumption in my view is that the unborn infant has no rights at any time during gestation. And I reject that. Hey Jim, I do want to go ahead and interject real quick. I noticed you focus a lot on the rights of the male involved with the pregnancy and the rights of the unborn child. At the time of this recording, Senate Bill 8 was just signed into law by Texas's governor initiating an abortion ban after six weeks, which is approximately four weeks after fertilization and approximately two weeks after the first menstrual cycle, with no exceptions to rape or incest. With this being the ninth state to have done this, do you think the time frame given is appropriate for someone to make a decision? keeping in mind that the fetal heartbeat detected at this time is not actually a heartbeat, but is instead the culmination of cells firing off electrical signals in the location where the heart will eventually develop, and is considered an embryo until week eight, when then is then considered a fetus. All right, I, I like to jump in. So, you know what, I think heartbeat, I think uh, you, you start fertilization heartbeat, 
development, you start, uh, that's when, that's when life starts, right? So, you know, up until a couple of years ago, you could go to Colorado and have a late term abortion at 32 weeks. Absolutely wrong. That's a fully developed fetus at that point. That is a fully developed human being in somebody's body. And you make the decision and they, and Colorado has since overturned that made it 22 weeks, but up until a couple of years ago, up until actually up until 2020, I believe, uh, they were allowing late term abortions to come out, uh, to happen. The reality is you were terming, you were, you were taking the life of a baby of a human without any repercussion. If I went out and I shot some money on the street, I guarantee there's a repercussion. I'd go to jail for a lifetime. And the reality is, why why would we allow somebody to take the life of a human, of a something that's living? You know, I, I get there's probably some exceptions to the rule, and I, and I don't know what those are. They need to be defined, and we've done, we've done a very poor job of defining that over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. But the reality is, there needs to be more, more definition, more, more information around why certain things we think are okay and they're not. Because and it's and it's actually been I'm, more like I'm fifty talking. years, Edwin, and it's been since Roe v. Wade, which was one of the worst pieces of jurisprudence in our history. And that's an example of what we just got done discussing around judges um, forcing things down people's throats. If we had had a healthy Societal, societal debate and had this discussion about rights, perhaps we'd have a better philosophical basis for laws like you talked about, Margot. I don't know what the phil- philosophy behind that law was. I would hope it was this exact kind of discussion like Edwin just got into about you know certain characteristics that arise that would say this is a viable infant and therefore invested with a certain level of rights. Um, you know, again, Kevin, you're right. It's a beastly difficult discussion. Um, I think we've done ourselves no favors as as a society to have had that horrible decision 50 years ago. Um, and, and we continue to suffer as a body politic because of that. Jim, on your points, and this is one of the things I respect in this country, that you have every right to, you know, how you see deemed necessary based on your creator, your family, your values everything that you have. And that's why we have to look at this. Um, and there's some things that I, I would have to disagree with um, with the decisions that the court had would um, road versus Wade is that because it was still eliminating those women who were going behind back doors and clinics that were being killed. I think there is structure behind it. And if you go to any Planned Parenthood, the last thing you're trying to do is abort the parent. They're giving them all the tools to make decisions within their framework and their situations. I think there's pieces that we have to look at it. But like I said, you know, this is our conversation round table is very much divided. I don't think like you said, because there's different pieces on it. And I think at this point where we're at, because in other episodes, we've kind of come to an agreement, but this is where I said earlier, it is a very tough decision. That's why we have four different perspectives, you know, and I'm not going to say, Jim, yours is right or wrong. And that's what makes this country great. So as we're looking at it, we have to move forward. So Margo, you know, as, as we look at this, you know, if anyone else has anything on this round table wants to talk about, but I think right now we're at a bypass because I think there's four different views on how we should handle this. So I want to provide some food for thought and bring up plan B. 
the over-the-counter medication that a female can take post-intercourse to terminate any potential fertilization. While efficacy depends upon multiple factors, especially when a female takes it, it will not work if the female is already pregnant when she takes it. I want to hear your thoughts on how you think this plays into the topic of abortion, and is it something that should be regulated as such? So the morning after pill, yeah, that's a that's a debate because you're actually terminating, not knowing if you actually are terminating. It's it's it, you're taking a gamble at that point. So that that's still an, that's a whole other debate in itself, I believe. I think it fits right in here, and I think that access to that is um, is just as important. Um, folks would be choosing to use condoms, and the condom breaks. And if they are not in a position where they're prepared to, or have, you know, where they're desiring to have a child, then yeah, I think they should go ahead and have access to that. Like you said, Christine, and, and, and you're talking about, you know, once again, I was a 16 year old boy. Okay. And being a 16 year old boy, having a daughter, I told her, I don't, I've never been a 16 year old girl, but I know what it's like to be a 16 year old boy. And it, my, I felt that my daughter came from a good family. But I gave her all the plans to make those choices. But as a 16-year-old girl and a 16-year-old boy gets together, sometimes that moral responsibility and compass is not there. So to come back later, and it's for myself as a family member, if my daughter got pregnant at 16, I wanted to know what my options are for that 16-year-old girl, even with the boy in the picture and all those different variables. So when I'm looking at abortion or how do we look at plan B, are you talking about plan B as well as condoms and all the things that allow kids to be successful in their career at 16? All I can sit there and say is that in a household with my child and how we make that decision, I don't give a shit. It's no one else's responsibility to tell me how I'm going to manage my daughter as a 16-year-old girl who gets pregnant. That's where I, I find the line. And I, I'll be damned if someone next door is going to tell me how I should now challenge my values, my faith, my beliefs based on things that I have to do according to my kids and under the situation, be it consensual with her 16-year-old boyfriend or an 18-year-old, 19-year-old person who I don't know rapes my daughter. That's just my values. And, you know, like I said, that's how I kind of take this whole conversation. That's the same way when we're looking back, my son or my daughter has a choice on who they marry or date. And I don't care when it comes to that piece. So I'm thinking this is why we have to have some great discussion some foundations and some choices and options as our parents are making those decisions. And that's where I'm trying to get to today. There is not a right or wrong answer, but it's up to those who are faced with that situation that has to come up with that decision because it's a hard, painful decision to make. And Jim, you have two boys. You know, if you had a daughter in that situation, because sometimes, like you said, you know, your son, at the end of the day, that young lady who he has doesn't want his involvement in it. He has nothing. There's not a legal standpoint in the world that he can actually stand by. There were lots oh, of amazing uh, humans who were born to 16-year-olds, though. I, I so, know. But they had great parents. They had some great situations. No, no some of them Don't. didn't. I mean, there there are – I'll do the study of history and bring you some names of people who – delivered great things for humanity who were born to 16 year olds in awful circumstances. Right. And that's the fact is when you make that decision, you're, you're terminating a human life. And oh. what would that life have been? What, what would we be enjoying today? If those millions and millions and millions of 
contributing and, humans that have only been born. That's what and I'm those saying. same individuals who are born are Ted Bundy and all the other people. I can argue other points to that mm-hmm. conversation as well, as those that people should, true. Be a, should be a terminated. So as we're looking at, you're talking about Adolf Hitler, all those other individuals. So to sit there, and that's where I'm saying yeah. we can debate. The trouble is you can't identify Adolf Hitler before he becomes Adolf Hitler. But but I'm saying that we know. But you know what? Even if you could, he's a human being and he has rights. And right. I, I would support that. Well, and that's that's one of those things that someone who was a victim of the Holocaust would not agree with you. Probably not. Although so, I know there are a lot of victims of the Holocaust who would still say he has a right to life. Right. And those who would wish that as, as he burnt their childs that we set back here and said that those who he probably discussed. So this is where I'm trying to get to. I can, we can spin off and have debate around it. So I think it's, I think at this point, I think we're at a bypass, Margo, and I think we probably should have a, a closing statement. Thanks, Kevin. On that note, I also believe it is time to wrap up. Abortion is an extremely sensitive and controversial topic for most people, and one that many have strong opinions on. It would not appear that anyone has particularly changed their mind about how they perceive abortion, but I do believe we all have a better understanding of the arguments for and against abortion. While we do not condemn nor promote abortion, as a reminder, these were simply the opinions of four people who wish to bring people together. Jim, if you'd like to go ahead and start us off with closing statements, that would be great. I'm going to wrap real quick with uh, one of my favorite quotes from Mother Teresa, who said, it is a poverty that a child must die so that you may live as you wish. That's strong. And I still hold. (laughs) In in spite of that, I still hold to where I stand. I do appreciate having a discussion. And I feel like this might be one of the most uh, sensitive topics that we might discuss on this podcast. And um, I'm pretty sure our plan is to continue to work together and move forward. Um, and you're right. No one said that any of this would be easy. No, you're right. And, and the reality is not people don't talk about it enough. And I think that's why we all have a, a different view, a different opinion, a different belief. But the reality is it's because we don't live our lives on the outside and talk about this more than we do. So I, I think whether we agree today, disagree today, it gives us a lot more to think about. So when we do have this discussion again, we're a lot more informed about you know, how other people think about these things. And I, I think that this is how we get to the next level. And this, this is how we get to, uh, you know, an informed society this is a society that thrives. And yeah, if we're was- not talking about it, we're not, we're not informed. I was going to add, you know, outside the immediate topic, one of our purposes here is to demonstrate to people that a rational, respectful discussion can still take place. And so I still love you guys, no matter how wrong some of you are. (laughs) (laughs) I've never, I've never just liked it. I've never just liked anybody for their own opinion. No. (laughs) In public. What do they say? You can you don't have to like somebody, but you should probably still love them. Is that That's it? Right. Is that true for opinion? Exactly. <laughs> Damn, I just muted you. I give a I shit. I feel like about some of my kids some days. You know, I don't have to like them, but I still love them every day. So, uh, hey guys, uh, I think we had a great talk, and I, I appreciate everybody's why we oh. do what we do, and so we have all the different opinions. So, 
Well, I'm going to take two points because we talk about this is the passion. And if you look up the meaning of passion, it will come to this definition. This is what I've been working on over the last week. Passion, the definition in the dictionary says the suffering of Christ between the night of the last supper and his death. And so in that parallel, it kind of steps back to what really is passion is, are we willing to give our life for what we believe in? And so in that same topic, Edwin and everyone mentioned, here's a quote from Nelson Mandela. Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. So other than understanding passion and the definition of education defined by Nelson Mandela, I believe that abortion is not the means to fix a problem or mistake. There is more to the issue we are facing today. We have views about to support the woman's decision to make the right decision and a choice based on the situation she has dealt with. And it's up to no matter how she looks at it from a religious belief, having family values, or parents' support, or friends. I think at the end of the day, we as a society as a whole needs to create a realistic guideline for those choices that we have to make underneath the circumstances that we deal with. So as we look at this and look at the end of the day, you have to remember that individual who they're facing it to. It's by having a strong nucleus network of people helping her to make or make the right decisions to move forward to live with that piece. And that's one of the things that I'm hoping we can get to it because there's a paradigm at the end of the day. You can't forget, once again, as defining what life is, but the impact that the decision that the individual has to make to abort or not to abort. So that's why I'm hoping that we can at least come to an agreement with a realistic guideline so that it will help people. So, Margo, it's all yours, and I'm hoping with these statements that we have is very clear, but it's been very lesson learning from listening to Jim to see the path where he has it, and as well as Jim and Christine. So thanks. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on whatever platform you chose. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified each time we have a new episode. If you have not listened to our previous episode on the role of judges, I implore you to go back and do so. Please join us next time when we talk about health care.